this message is God's perspective. If I was going to title it, I titled it something different, and, but now that I'm done, I don't think that's what I actually said. So, uh, God's perspective. Uh, let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you, and we're so grateful that uh, you have a perspective, and it's above all. Um, it trumps everything. And because of the work of Christ Jesus, we have access to seeing it. At least with eyes of faith. At least in the form of, of a hope. But that's even a hope that would animate us, Father. We could, we could be filled with it. Even if we don't have it all, uh, we, can, we can live off of it. And so tonight, Father, I'm just asking you, breathe upon your word. Give us your perspective uh, Father, may we just be filled to overflow. May we be excited by the truth that at any moment your word could strike our hearts so forcefully that we would become world changers. And that is a reality. That at any given moment you could speak and our life would never be the same again. And that's what we're asking for, Father. We want to glorify you in our lifetime. We want to bring glory to the name of Jesus and we can't do that without your perspective and so Lord we look to you we look to your word we ask you to breathe on your word and open the eyes of our hearts and it's in Jesus name that we pray amen all right God's perspective I've been on this theme here of late in my own personal study about uh, this this singleness of of, of I because I understand what is possible if that were to take place for any one of us if we were able to get single upon him and be filled with him um, it's just the way things have shifted in in history uh, when a people get single and see they get moved by the power of what it is that they're seeing and so we need to see more so uh, beginning in in Matthew 6 33 uh, Matthew 6 33 says but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you so we know that we've read that before we understand that got to put the got to put the kingdom first got to put his righteousness first and we would all say that's easier said than done of course I'm going to be teaching and speaking to believers tonight we know without Christ you don't see a thing right on the unless you've been born again you don't have eyes to see any of these things and so uh, what Jesus would tell Nicodemus was ye must be born again that's how you get the spirit to see but after we have been born again which I'm going to be uh, speaking and teaching to believers tonight that's hopefully all of us um, we've still got to see it from God's perspective so here's some thoughts to consider second Corinthians 4 18 let me turn there because I'm going to look at this scripture a couple times tonight this is the apostle Paul teaching and he says while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying to us. He's talking about all through chapter 4, just the, the difficulties, the persecutions, the, the, the pressure, the trouble. And he ends that, that chapter with, uh, we've got to see the things that are not seen. So that's our first word, seeing the unseen. Uh, Ephesians 1.18 is a verse I've been praying a lot for myself and for everybody else uh, here of late. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. See, all of that takes place when we're actually seeing something that has been accomplished that Jesus has done. And once we become enlightened to that, it fills us with a life. I mean, it's a real life. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is in terms of the Apostle Paul's life. Matthew 6.22 is another one I keep uh, looking at, which is uh, this in enlightenment, this I being single. So let me turn to that and uh, read it and give you another, give you another look at it as well. Um, 622, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now, we've looked at those two words, the eye and the, the single. Uh, and, and the word eye there just basically it just means vision. It's just how you see something, or it's perception. So if you took, you guys have, have a little bit of an idea of what perception is. I'm going to give you a definition as well. But let me, let me reread that and using the word perception there, okay? The light of the body is your perception, okay? If therefore thine perception be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine perception be evil thy whole body shall be full of darkness if therefore the light is in thee be darkness how great is that darkness how we're seeing things is critical is what the lord is saying here now perception if i i just looked that up and it says perception is the organization identification and interpretation of sensory information in order to represent and understand the presented information or environment all perception involves signals that go through the nervous system which in turn result from physical or chemical stimulation so everybody follow that in other words we have this thing right here it's called an earth suit it's our body and in that earth suit it's masterfully made but we have five senses right and we use those five senses to perceive what it is we're seeing and doing okay so you've got taste touch smell hear sight those are the five senses and uh, so the, the, these uh, sensory organs associated with each sense, and they send information to the brain and help us understand and perceive the world around us. Okay, everybody got that? Now, here's the difficulty, because 2 Corinthians 4.18 tells us, don't lean on those anymore. Now, that's a tough call right there. That's really a big deal. It really comes down to our perception, whether we're just going to go with what our five senses are giving us at the moment or we're going to go with a new set of sensory organs 
that come from the rebirth, the new birth. So, pretty tall order, but it's worth looking into. Now, when the soul is in control of your life, the New Testament would call you a sukikos. That just means you're a soul-controlled person, okay? Your soul is in charge. That means that you're, you're strictly taking the five senses of your earth suit and you're running your life off of it, okay? That would be a soul-controlled individual. Now, what the new birth gives us is we have been born again by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God has a whole kingdom attached to it. It's a whole new kingdom. It trumps this one. It's greater than. It's eternal. And he says, now live by that. Don't live by your, your old life. You live by this. Now, we know there's a balance in between, but it, but because can't, we can't shake the world. You know, we're still in the world. It's still, it's still in the cards. However, you're being led by, ultimately, the Spirit is controlling your, your life, making the decisions, what you live by. So we must learn to live by the Spirit. Now, the way that you do that is you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, and you trust and believe in what He has said. Many times, right in the face of what you're feeling, what all of your typical sensory, uh, all those things that are going into your brain and telling you do this or don't do that, you have these two voices. You have, these, you have two different ways of looking at things. And Jesus says, look at me, look to me. Live from every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We know in Hebrews, as we've said many times, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. What are we finishing? We're finishing up the, the, the fact that we really struggle with this, right? We really struggle with not going with our original five senses in, in this world and in this realm. We have a hard time listening and obeying and following uh, our heart in Christ. So we got to look at faith real quick, and then we're going to get into this, the passage that I'm going to look at. Uh, Andy talked on faith this morning. Uh, actually, I've already written it down here. Faith is uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? So this is a big deal. Because the Bible goes on to say you can't even please God without faith. I mean, you're not even in the ballpark with him if you're not operating from this thing that is not seen. So this is, this is something that we've got to make a big deal about. So let's look at the Apostle Paul's life. You know, one of the things I love about the Apostle Paul is that he, he really lived what he wrote. You know, what he said to do, what the Lord was instructing him to do, he was doing. And so let's take a look at his life in 2 Corinthians 11. Y'all turn to 2 Corinthians 11 because I'm going to be <clears throat> hanging around there quite a bit from the, for the rest of the evening. I've got other passages I want to look at as well, but we're, we're, you can kind of camp out there. 2 Corinthians 11. Now, it's amazing to see all the things that the Apostle Paul went through and that he did not lose heart in troubled times. And that's actually what I originally entitled this message, How to Not Lose Heart in Troubled Times. Because we're in times of trouble, at least they're trouble to us, as we compare our troubling times to the Apostle Paul's, one might say that 
Maybe this isn't troubling at all, right? But it's trouble for us, troubled relatives. It's trouble for me. But let's look at uh, the Apostle Paul's trouble, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. He says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches man i just need one of those things take me under right the the care of the churches and i to hearken back to one of the other sermons that i i did that care right there it's the it's that same word used in the cares of this life in the, the parable of the sower. And the word picture there is, to, is this tearing your soul apart because you're being yanked, you're being pulled. As soon as you give your focus to these cares, I mean, there's a lot to care about, and cares are real, and the Apostle Paul is no different in that. He cared for. But at the same time, he's going through the, these incredible trials. I mean, it's a whole other level The opposition. I mean, has everybody, anybody ever been uh, whipped with the cat of nine tails? Once? Much less five times? I mean, it's really, it's staggering when you look at the trouble that he endured. So let's skip on down here. I wanted to give that as a reference point for trouble. I mean, what kind of trouble we're talking about. And we're going to lead into this. Second Corinthians 12 uh, as we move on through that chapter, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4, he talks about going to the third heaven. Making a trip to heaven. That might be encouraging. We think it would be, right? If I could just see all this, then it'd change me. You know, I'd be different. Um, but I'd remind us all that you know, when Jesus was talking to Thomas in John chapter 20, you know, Thomas is the one that after he rose, he, he said, I will not believe. I, I got, I'm going to put my hands in his wounds before I'll believe. And then Jesus shows up and says, Thomas, here you go. Put, put your hands at here. But his, his message was, blessed are those who don't, who don't see and yet believe. Right, So it's not about seeing miracles, or it's not about seeing heaven, or it's not about seeing an angel. Uh, somehow, some way, that can even short-circuit your faith. Why? Because you're placing, I have to see these things before I will believe. In other words, your word's not good enough, God. I need to see some things. I need to see some more things. So it can really stunt your faith, and we want to be reminded of that. Of course, Paul knew that, because he's, he's not even 
boasting about it. He's talking about it as if it were, happened to somebody else. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That word blessed, it just means empowered to prosper. I mean, if you just believe God's words, if you just take it for what he said, and you take it, and I believe it, I, this, is, this is the truth. I'm going to live off of this. This is, this is where I'm going. I'm following this. I'm ready to sacrifice for it. It's faith in the word of God. Not because you've seen a bunch of supernatural things or seen anything. Do you believe without seeing it's all about seeing in this unseen realm the unseen realm is identified by the words of god and this is what we have here second corinthians 12 9 this is where it gets interesting so paul's uh goes on he says and he said unto me he's talking about god this, these letters are in red right so we know those are the words of the word of god it's the words of Jesus. Paul says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Well, let me stop there a second, because here's what I want you to see, that here's what we deal with as humans. And then the word of the Lord comes, and what happens is perspective shift. You get a different look. You see something from a different angle. You get lifted up above. You have a law that enters in that lifts you up above. And this is what happened to the Apostle Paul because here's, here's the point. You know, before this word came, Paul, as well as us, would be accustomed to dislike weakness, right? Don't we? When you feel weak, and I feel weak, you know, I thought it was okay to feel bad about that. I mean, when I feel weak, I mean, I, I feel weak. I don't like that. Nobody likes that. I don't think the Apostle Paul liked that. On down here as we get into verse 10, which we'll go there in a minute, but I'm going to skip ahead for you. I mean, when you're sick, when you're infirmed, do you feel good? Is that a weakness? I mean, I don't like it when I'm sick because... I feel sick, right? I mean, that's what I typically do in reproaches, you know, when somebody disapproves of me or is disappointed in me. I mean, does that feel good? No, I mean, I think it's pretty reasonable and rational when that type of thing occurs that when somebody is disappointed in you, you're probably going to have some bad feelings, could go on down to in need you know maybe i'm starving i haven't eaten in days i'm starving i i don't have these things i don't know if any of us in this room could ever say such a thing i went thinking through that needs part and i was like have i ever been in need yeah i don't have a uh four-wheel drive uh four-door toyota tundra that's that's what i'm that's what i'm in need of it doesn't really doesn't really fit you know it's like it's uh, who are we right i can't think of a time i've ever needed food right probably probably you not either persecutions i mean i was under the impression that when somebody is persecuting you you should feel persecuted right just makes sense to me but see paul had this profound 
perception change that's just unbelievable. And, it, and what the only thing that, that was different was he received a word of the Lord. He got verse 9 there, those words that are in red, that's what came to him. The word of God, and it shifted his perception. He was thinking this way, and now, just the next verse, he's thinking in a whole other direction. Now think about this, guys, because if, if this word is true, that about this weakness, you know, and, and that in our weakness, we, we should be made strong. Think about this, how, how powerful this is. I mean, the potential of this word of the Lord, if it were to come to life in us, we ought to be dancing all the way home like David did before the ark, you know. I mean, if this really struck home, we'd leave, leave from here and dance all the way home while you're taking your clothes off. People say you're crazy as you're dancing. Because that's what David did, you know. Probably, I'd imagine, the ark was about that far from my house to here, so it'd be me dancing the whole way home. Because red letters of God's word had landed so strongly on me that I was moved to that magnitude. That's what the, the Bible teaches. Because when I read the Bible, the accounts of Job and Joseph and Daniel and what we're reading now, the Apostle Paul, I mean, being beaten by the cat of nine tails, I mean, when I look at that, I, I'm looking at my life and I'm going, you know, I must be the weakest, most pitiful man on the planet ever. Right? I mean, it kind of puts us in this category of weakness that is amazing. But what if in our weakness we're made strong? What if the weaker you are, the more strong you could be made? What if the more sin that you're in and the greater forgiveness that you get and the more love that you know? What if that's really true? What if we're sitting on a powder keg of God's power because of how pitiful we are? See, that's a perception change. That's just the perception change. That means that, means that we're just a couple of seconds away from the word of the Lord coming and changing everything, guys. That's what I believe we're sitting on as the body of Christ today. I mean, since the Apostle Paul, he, he gets into a little cynicism here, and, or not cynicism, he starts, uh, sarcasm is the word, he starts being a little sarcastic. So let, let's be sarcastic too, I, I, because I think about this often. I'm like, if I died today and went to heaven, I would only want to hang out with other Bible Belt Southerners that are about my age, right? I hope there's a section in heaven where, you know, all of us get to live Because, <laughs> you know, you see the Apostle Paul walking down the street, and you're like, I don't want to talk to that guy. We get into trading stories, you know, and, and he tells his, and I'm like, well, we'll see you later, because I don't have one. You know, you see, see some of these guys and just run. You're up in heaven, but, but, but you get to be around those that are as pitiful as, as you are, you know. <laughs> I'm just being, I'm just being fun, funny here because it's, it's, we know that it's, it's not like that, you know. When, when, when we get to heaven, it really is all about Jesus. It's like all of our records are wiped clean. We do know there are rewards. It's not all even, uh, but it's not a... Uh, as Brother Joe said, I remember he came once, I think it was when he came preached here and he made this statement that stuck with me. He said, heaven's not going to be a bragathon. 
right? It's going to be a praise-a-thon. I mean, it's literally going to be all about the work of Christ. But I am excited by this, guys. I don't just, I'm not just saying that to be, to be funny, that, that our weakness today, think about the amount of our weakness being shifted into his strength. Because that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. He was under the impression that his weakness was a problem. And what the word of the Lord said when it came was, oh, no, 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 that's no problem at all. You're being made perfect in this. And we would look at that and go, how are we being helped with this? How in the world is that work? When the word of the Lord comes, it'll make sense. Until it comes, it doesn't. See, that's why we have to see with the eyes of the spirit, with the eyes of the heart. That's why we've got to see it from his perspective. Paul just believed and his perception changed. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9b uh, and then 10, as I've already read 9b. Most gladly, therefore, will I, re, will, uh, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now in verse 10 he goes on to say, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in necessities. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, the only thing we're lacking is going from these five senses over here to the five senses of the Spirit, and that being real, us actually standing up on, you know, the word of the Lord that said to Peter, come on out, standing on those words, right? It's just the word coming to us in a way that we, it actually is our truth, and we're alive because of it man it's amazing you're telling me now paul that you're taking pleasure in these things that somehow some way in the midst of that the difficulty that you're writing about that you sensed god's pleasure in those things amazing but it has to be true because there's no way you'd get up from that type of beating has to be true See, Paul just stepped into the kingdom is what he did. He's, he's using spiritual eyes. See, he's gotten single, and his perception has been cleansed, and he's seeing in a whole new light. He stepped into the kingdom. You know, the Bible says in uh, Romans 14, 17 that, that uh, the kingdom is in the Holy Ghost. That's what it says. It skips over some things there. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom is righteousness now first of all if you turn to that passage which i'm not going to but at first it says the kingdom is not these things but then it follows with the kingdom is righteousness joy and peace in the holy ghost see that the kingdom is in the holy spirit now where is the holy spirit if you're a believer it's in here and the picture that that jesus is giving through when he's with the disciples is, is that the kingdom is right here it's right here it's as if it's at your right hand so it's in other words here's the left hand we like to focus on what the soul feels and what it thinks and its perception and he's saying no repent turn to this hand because if you'll just turn right here you'll step into the kingdom because it's here he he brought it and he left it here and the Holy Ghost is within us. Mark 1.15, as I just said, Jesus is saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so what Paul did was he turned from his left hand 
He repented. He turned to his right hand into the kingdom, so to speak. That shift, that perception shift, is what took him from verse 9 to verse 10. Or verse 9a to verse 9b and 10. Does that make sense? It's just a perception shift, and it's all based upon receiving the word of God. So God's words gave Paul the ability to see everything from another perspective. Why? Now here's why. This is what it's all based upon. Because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel was lived in and lived out. The singleness of I has granted Paul the power to live in the promise of Romans 8.28. Let's, let's look at that verse real quick. It's a familiar verse, but let's, let's look at it. It's a good one to be reminded of. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, who are the called according to his purpose. He's living out that promise that he had all he had written that paul penned that word this 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 perception change lord god would you give us a perception change would would you send your word in such a way that you breathe upon the written word and we come into meeting the the living word himself that lives in us and may we live that out and we'll glorify your name 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 10 again. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. These are not temporal things. They're, they're, they're eternal things. They're greater things. Romans 8 and 24 and 25 talks about this hope. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what, man, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. We're talking about a hope that is a thrill of hope. You're seeing things. You think about, you know, when you were a kid and we did things a little more traditionally on, on uh, Christmas. You know, you got your own family Christmas uh, tradition. And, uh, you know, everybody's was a little bit different. But think about that moment when you're a kid. That moment right before you're about to break into those presents. You know that feeling? That, 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 oh, I can't wait. See, that's that thrill of hope. It animates. It animates. Y'all ever seen your kids get excited and do all that type, type of stuff? See, they're animated with something they're anticipating. It's, it's already there. They can already feel it. It's, already, it's, it's causing them to move. They can't stay still. I've got to dance them bouncing off the walls. See, that is the hope of what they know is on the way. Just imagine, guys, because we know once we get the stuff, it starts wearing off immediately. Imagine if we could just stay in that one section between the hope of getting it and getting it. Because that, that's that magic zone where the life strikes, where we say, I know God's words. This is true. It's eternally true. It's even present right here and right now. It's outside of time. It's outside of space. It's outside of every law, and yet it's still in this time and space. I can have it. I can see it. I can get excited about it. It'll change your life if you get it to that level. Just think about sticking right there, being so excited about all that you have and all that you will have as if it were right here, right now. That's the life he's calling us to in hope. 
And that's based on his words. His words are promises. They were ratified by his blood. He didn't cause his son to die a horrible, painful death so that he could not give incredibly wonderful things to all those who stand upon it. It's this singleness of I. It's a perception. It's a perception change. Lord God, would you give us your perception on all things? The power and the potential of God's words believed. That's where I think we sit today, guys. I really believe. I'm just one that likes to believe for the absolute best. And I do believe that we're going to see the greatest outpouring of God that, we, that the earth has ever seen. I don't think it's over yet. I'm one of those that believes we're going to see a move of God like never before. Now, does that mean the devil is going to just back off and, and back down? No, the dark is going to get darker, but the light is going to get brighter. That's just what I believe, okay? You can tell me I'm wrong and I'll ignore you because I'm, <laughs> I'm focused on this. I want to see God come to life in his people again. And just think about it, guys, just like this, just like this, that fast, that fast it can strike and change everything, everything, every perception that you are continuing to struggle to let go of, that you know you've got to let go of, that you, Lord, please help me let go of this, just like that can happen, just like that, the word of the Lord can come, just like that. It's happened all throughout history. I, I'm saying it will happen again. That's just what I am determined to believe. Now, if I'm wrong and I get there, God can reprimand me all he wants. But where I sit today, that's what I'm holding on to. That's what I'm living for. It's called hope. And it's way better than anything else. It'll make you want to get up in the morning. And go out and do something with some life in it. And give somebody else some hope. Right? Don't we need some hope? The Word of God will come to life in us. Now, I'm, I'm wrapping things up here. I'm going to do more on this Wednesday night. But it's all about living in the words of God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God's words are life. In John 15, Jesus is speaking. This is one of my favorite verses, and I'm, I'm ending with this here. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This, you know, John 15, 16, 17, this is a power-packed portion of Scripture. Jesus is about to leave the earth, and he's, he's speaking to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Now what does that mean? He's speaking to the disciple and he's saying, I'm telling you the process. This is what I do when you come into the family. I'm, I'm a father, I discipline. I discipline, so, which is a, it's a, in, in essence a pruning. It's if you know anything about how, how you prune plants or you, or you, you multiply uh, fruiting sites on any kind of a plant, you know, you, can, you know, you can do real well as a gardener. Well, 
The Father is an excellent gardener. What Jesus is saying is, look, if you're not producing fruit, I'm going to cut you back because I know what I'm doing. I'm going to cut you back and get you into a position where you can multiply in fruit. And But what he's saying to the disciples is, though, that you're already clean because I've been doing this to you for three and a half years. See, it's the same word, clean and, and purgeth. It's the same. He's saying, I've been pruning you guys the whole time. See, and you're ready to go. All you need is the Spirit. Once you get the Spirit, and it's going to come, then you're just going to change the world. See, because I've been working on you guys for some time. Every word that I've been giving you. See, see what have the disciples been doing? They are the disciples. They're disciplined unto Jesus. We know that old covenant model of discipleship that they were going through. They were following him everywhere he went, doing everything that he did. That's what a disciple in first century uh, Israel understood and knew. I'm, I'm following my rabbi. I want to be just like my rabbi. I don't just want to know what he knows. I want to do what he does. That's what they were trained to do. It wasn't X's and O's. It was I want to look just like him. That's why Peter got out of the boat, because his rabbi was walking on water. He wanted to walk on water. That's what they knew to do. So they're being disciplined. I mean, they've been following him this whole time, right? They didn't know what they were doing, but they were doing the best they could in following him and doing what he said to do. See, those are the words of Jesus coming to them and them doing them, right? So for three and a half years, the word of the Lord had been going into their lives and they had been doing their level best to follow him. See that? They're being, they're cleaned. They're being pruned. They're being prepared for the spirit to come so that the, when the spirit comes, they're turned on. See, this is the same thing for us. God is speaking. And this is what I, I, I'd like to throw this out there. If you're not journaling over what the Lord is saying to you through the word, you need to start journaling. Why? Because you'll forget what he said. You'll forget what he's saying. You get so dizzy with all the trouble, all the difficulty. All, you just get dizzy immediately. With all the stuff going on, you forget. You forget, and then you go to crying out for a word again. And the Lord's like, I gave you a word a week ago. You haven't even taken the first step towards it. So you already forgot and got yourself all discombobulated, tried to accuse me of never even speaking to you, and I spoke to you loud and clear. Now, if you'd have wrote that thing down and, and go back to the last thing I told you to do and start there, See, God knows that he can't just keep giving us words if we're not going to follow him, if we're not going to do it. Because the more word he gives us, you know what kind of condemnation that brings on you when you don't do anything he says? It's, it'll tear you apart. Jesus said to the disciples, I can't, I got so much I want to tell you, but you guys can't handle it. He's like, I love you too much to leave too much of a burden on you. That's why I'm going to send you the spirit. You do what I tell you to do. And we'll grow. And I'll tell you more. When you do that, and I'll tell you more. It's, it's a lifetime of that. Why? Because it's all about the relationship with God. He doesn't, he doesn't need the stuff. He wants the people. He wants the relationship. So many times, and I'd say, I'm speaking for myself here. I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I, because the Lord speaks to me, I feel like quite a bit. I'm not sure I do 
much of it. I'm guilty of just wanting him to just tell me again. I'll say it a different way. I think if you said it this way, I might be able to do it. If you just give me more, more light, God, more light. I'll follow you then. It's just pitiful. Again, I'm thinking, a massive amount of weakness has got to equal incredible strength. <laughs> when it strikes, obey. But when we don't follow him, the discipline of the Lord comes, right? Y'all ever felt the discipline of the Lord? Oh, just things don't work out. Things don't go well. Everything gets cockeyed. And I, I can tell when it's happening to me, when, when it's going on. I think I'm, I'm way too familiar with that feeling, actually. But the purpose of that is what? Wake up. Wake up. Go back to the word I gave you. Do that. You'll get yourself out of this. See, the discipline of the Lord is to help us reconsider. How many of y'all know Jonah reconsidered in the belly of the whale? Oh, yeah. I've changed my mind. Right? Jonah says that in Jonah 2, 4. He says, I'm out of God's sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. That's where we're at, guys. We've got, to, we've got to follow what the Lord said to do in the last season that we have failed to do yet if we want more. God's word is life. To not obey that this word is death. Let me, let me, I'm going to finish with this. I found this this morning. It kind of scared me. 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 17 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So I looked up the word defile, and it meant to perish, to waste away, to corrupt, to deteriorate, to cause or experience moral deterioration, decomposition, due to the corrupting influence of sin. It means to waste away, to degenerate, from a higher to a lower form, to destroy, to corrupt, to spoil. What does that say? It means that if you don't follow the word of the Lord, it's not that God is wanting to destroy you, it's that you're deciding to destroy yourself. You're not walking in life, you're walking in death. It's going to corrupt every part of us. Man, we got to hear the word of the Lord and follow. We've got to have a perception change. To be hope-filled and believe. Let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful for your word. Thank you for speaking to us at all. Uh, thank you, Father, that we're just, a, we're just a breath away, just a moment away from your words coming so strongly upon our lives that we will never be the same again. Lord, that's what we believe for. We seek you. We seek you to hear you to see as you see, to speak as you speak, to be as you are, to step into our identity in Christ and to live from your word. Lord, I pray that over myself, over our church, over your body. Father, give us a hunger for your word that we would meditate upon it day and night. Help us to understand the process of the word and to walk in it. And Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.